Welcome to the Holistic Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle. Each week I will be speaking with thought leaders and entrepreneurs that think outside the box. This is a space to empower, inspire and motivate you on your own journey. Hello, I'm really excited to have this new guest on the show today. It's Lauren from Neurohacker, and we are going to talk about all things neurohacking, neuroscience, with a little bit of self-development and entrepreneurship as well, and just generally how the brain works and how we can get it to work in our favour or just at least understand it a little bit more. So welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yes, thank you for having me. (laughs) So can you just tell the listeners a little bit about the platform Neurohacking, when it started and the educational aspects of it as well? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Neurohacker has been around since 2015. Um, We uh, were founded to really collect uh, an advance, uh, you know, thinking around um, how to optimize your life for better. And we start specifically with the brain. And so kind of the definition of neurohacking is a subclass of biohacking that's focused really specifically on the brain and about how to better yourself uh, by hacking the brain. As we found that um, the more you can do to strengthen that you know, incredible muscle, the more good you can do in the world. And a lot of times people who are operating a, a deficit when it comes to cognition actually tend to do uh, less good in the world. So we sought out and attracted some of the brightest minds in the world, uh, neuroscientists, doctors, etc., to work on first, you know, formulas and nootropics that can help uh, with Um, cognition and memory, but also to work on education and uh, equipping people with the resources that they need to better themselves. Mm, That's really great. And you have a podcast as well, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Our podcast is called Collective Insights. Yeah, that's really cool. So how would you, just a general overview, how would you recommend strengthening the cognitive behavior of brain yeah yeah well you know just starting out there are five things that you have to know about the brain and uh one is that thinking uses a lot of energy uh you know the brain uses more energy than any organ in the body you know and so it's constantly looking for ways to conserve energy um the second or the third thing you need to remember is that it's designed to forget It's designed to filter and forget things. And it's designed uh, to over-index negative events. This is strictly from a survival perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, imagine back, we're trying to survive. Something negative happens. A snake comes out and bites you. It's really important for you to remember where that was or the scenario so that you don't uh, endanger yourself again. And then uh, lastly, it is designed to over-index emotional experiences, and so both good and bad. And it's empowering if you understand that, because if you really want to remember or cement something in your um, behavior, 
mm-hmm. you know, equip and linking that with an emotion, a powerful, positive emotion, mm-hmm. or knowing when you have a negative emotion, maybe to be uh, suspicious of how you remembered the event or how you're over indexing the uh, experience, because mm-hmm. that's just how we're wired. That's super interesting. So the first point that you made, which I want to kind of highlight, is the fact that we remember more negative events in our lives than positive, but because it's more of a survival aspect of ourselves. Yeah, and that wiring was super relevant when we were on out, you know, hunter and gathering and and things like that. That was really an important thing. but obviously in our current like lifestyle, uh, a negative event could be, um, you know, uh, a text that you don't like or uh, the news coming in that's just overly negative. Mm. And uh, your worldview could be a bit warped because of the way that your brain is holding on mm. to this information. It's, you know, ancestral wiring. Yeah. And is there any way that you suggest that we let go of these negative um, inputs that we have? Any way to release them in any way? Yeah. I mean, so I guess it's just a filtering system, isn't it? Like maybe we choose what we release and what we keep. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, you know, going back to mental energy and knowing that it's not, and this model, I think really digging into this model for a second, because I think it'll kind of inform it and give some ideas, but, um, you know, mental energy isn't finite and the body's always looking for ways to conserve mental energy. And I, the analogy I like to think about is about, uh, managing a budget, you know, and you wake up in the morning and let's say, you know, depending on your sleep and your over, you know, if you're fighting illness or whatever, but let's say you wake up with a bank account of, a thousand dollars, a thousand pounds, <laughs> uh, however, but you wake up with this and every decision you make pulls and draws from that bank account. Every, um, you know, putting on your shirt to what are you going to eat to making business decisions and business calls, et cetera, are all uh, using up that um, resource. And your body doesn't know if it's a thousand dollar day or a $20,000 day, you know, in terms of what you need for resources. And so kind of going back to the budgeting example, you know, how, how you budget is either you spend less or you make more right in order to, you know, make it all balance out at the end. Mm -hmm. And so, um, the body has three ways that it's conserving mental energy throughout the day. One is uh, it relies and loves uh, automatic processes and habits. And these are, you know, I don't, if you ever gotten in your car and you're just driving automatically to work, <laughs> you don't even realize it, you know, but your brain is is really looking to build habits. And one of the ways that you can uh, conserve mental energy deliberately is by cementing in the positive habits that you want to create. Mm-hmm. Um so that they're automatic. You're not using any calories whatsoever. Mm-hmm. A lot of famous uh, CEOs, you know, wear the same clothing every day because they don't want to use any mental calories or <laughs> dollars on deciding what to wear. I think that's a bit extreme, uh, uh, but I think that there are probably things in everybody's, you know, list that they could 
say, I don't need to make a decision about that every day anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to make this an automatic process. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you think that's why like affirmations and things like this are so like, like beneficial and rewarding in a way, because it's something that you repeat, repeat to yourself on a daily yeah. basis. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And also not only is that an automatic process, but the second thing is that the brain creates shortcuts and heuristics uh, so that when it's making decisions, it doesn't have to, you know, put the energy into a thorough examination of the data. And so when you have these affirmations or um, programs kind of running that you've you've built up yourself, uh, those become like the underbelly and the shortcut that your brain is looking for um, to not have to work so hard with everything and think about like our lifestyle. There's so many things that really require like deep thinking, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, from an email that comes in to you to an article that you want to dig into, even a conversation that you may have be having with a business person. Mm-hmm. And your brain is like, I can't, I can't overanalyze everything. I'm going to take shortcuts. And so if you build up this reservoir of um, heuristics that you want and that are affirmations that you want to have as the infrastructure, then yeah, I think that's a really mm-hmm. um, powerful uh, way to go about it mm. to hack it to neurohack it yeah and I also think it's like it, it also relates to the other point that you made whereas if you have a, a positive affirmation it's not necessarily what you're saying that matters but it's the feeling that that cultivates um so if it's a if it cultivates a positive feeling then maybe our brain remembers that feeling more and that's what yeah. 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 And then absolutely. And anchoring any of this with uh, positive emotion, uh, trying to cultivate that positive emotion is going to strengthen it significantly. Um, And then back to the budgeting thing, you know, the brain also filters out information. um, And uh, we actually have, you know, system in the brain, the reticular activating system, what we refer to as RAS for short, but it literally filters what you're going to focus on and what you're not going to focus on. And your reality may not even be the reality you expect. You're just focusing on things that your RAS thinks is important. So this is why when mm-hmm. someone uh, buys a new red car, all of a sudden, all they see on the road, they're like, wow, everybody has a red car. They notice all the red cars in this, on the road. And the percentage and population of red car owners didn't change. But what happened is that that portion of the brain decided this is important. This is something I want to focus on. Mm-hmm. And so it noticed that uh, it started noticing, you know, mm-hmm. red cars more. And there's so many ways that this is you know, an interesting thing to just even think about how you could control like, or you could um, cue your body to focus on certain things and not focus on other things by just affirming um, different topics, you know, over and over so that your body Mm. and your brain start looking for those, you know, Mm. I think a gratitude practice, I think, you know, um, gratitude practice have, you know, become very popular and I think one of the reasons, if you do have a daily one where you're, you know, writing what you're grateful for, you know, at the end of every day, you start training your brain 
to look, to search for Mm -hmm. moments of gratitude Mm -hmm. and how that, um, you know, how that translates into your experience of life, obviously is, you know, beautiful, Mm -hmm. but I think a lot of the reason why that works is because of the habituation part of it. And also for the part that it's training your brain to filter and look Mm -hmm. and seek, uh, moments of gratitude yeah that's so interesting well what would you say when someone's confused because I know like a lot of business people entrepreneurs or just people in general when someone is confused or they're not sure about what decision to make um and they have like maybe two or three options how does the brain work on filtering that through does it just depend on the individual and their experience of life or yeah I mean decision making uh, you know they're they're definitely that's like a vast uh, you know topic I think that um you know whether how much mental energy you want to spend on a given decision is really uh sometimes not even up to you like your body is depending on your you know how fed, how well, how well slept you are, your body is going to conserve energy for a decision and how hard a decision is sometimes has to do with how much is in that bank account for mental energy. Sometimes if you're really struggling with a decision, I would ask you to ask yourself, do I have enough resources physically to make this decision? Personally, sometimes, especially towards the end of my day, after I've made like a thousand decisions in my business life, you know, then in my personal life, I'm just, you know, asking me what you want for dinner. It's like this impossible, you know, question. And it's because I've spent all my mental energy. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of times I don't think, you know, I think people are really hard on themselves being like, oh, you know. I'm not good at this, or I'm really having struggling with decisions. And maybe it's a, um, they need to fill their bank account more or look for ways of spending, you know, less mental energy dollars on other things. You know, Mm -hmm. you can, um, and, you know, we talked about, you know, the three ways the brain is constantly looking to conserve, but, you know, the way to build your bank account, your mental energy bank account is, uh, you know, through uh, hacking your mental energy. And this is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where neurohacking kind of comes in. Um, mm-hmm. One of the fastest and easier ways is, you know, nootropics or brain supplements obviously are designed to nourish the brain with more mental energy. Um, other ways are uh, building neuroplasticity. And so mm-hmm. exercise has been studied uh pretty significantly that, and and studies have shown that it literally increases brain matter. Mm. Uh, Meditation is another Mm. uh, way to build neuroplasticity Mm. um, and has been studied pretty significantly. Um, Diet plays a huge role in plasticity. And while this is like a humongous topic, right? Uh, Yeah, it's a huge topic. And I also wanted to say as well, like with back to the decision making part does the person's decisions um that they make or choose depend on the neuropathways that are already planted within the brain so 
if someone is used to making a certain decision or reacting or acting a certain way that are more inclined to carry on this pattern um, because it's the neural pathways in the brain that are repeating itself. And that's when you say that it's so important to have neuroplasticity because then it, you can change those neural pathways. So do you think it can be as well, like a, almost like a habit or a behavior that maybe someone has taken on from a childhood that they, they react or make decisions from a certain place? Oh, for sure. For sure. And I, what it like, it, it, I love the depth of your questions because, uh, you know, our wiring, you know, from traumas, you know, everything builds upon its, um, itself and, and what patterns for decision-making exist have a lot to do with that. Cause again, the brain over index is negative offense. So if you've had trauma or maybe when you made a certain decision, this happened and that was super emotional for you, brain's going to wire in that direction. And, mm -hmm. and then we have this, you know, these heuristics kind of stacked on top of it. Um, one, one that I fall like pretty, you know, prey, prey to is this escalation of commitment heuristic and whatever my wiring and this can, this uh, heuristic is basically once you've committed to something, like you just keep going after it, even if all the signals are like, you need to um, unwind it, you know, the expression throwing good money at bad, you know, comes directly from this heuristic. But, you know, how my decision wiring is like, oh, I've signed a contract, uh, I can make it work. I can, you know, mm -hmm. keep, keep going, I can throw creative ideas at it, etc. And so one of the ways I've personally uh, work through, you know, this decision kind of pattern that I have is, uh, to one awareness, right. Uh, thinking about thinking, I love the word for that, which is metacognition. Uh, but being aware that this, these processes and, and this thing is going on. Um, but then too, uh, knowing that I, I fall prey to that. I'm very cautious about making a commitment to something. And when I do, I am very disciplined um, about writing my expectations uh, as well as uh, when I can quit. Like I give my first, I, I basically, before I sign or before I make a commitment to something, I write, like I'm willing to uncommit, you know, to walk away if this, this, and that happens. And, um, you know, there's a lot more, um, a lot of information out there about goal setting, smart goals, kiss goals, you know, mm -hmm. Mark Devine's seal fit goals. And that's like a whole humongous thing. But mm -hmm. I think um, knowing kind of, or starting to study like kind of where, where your sweet spots are for, or traps, if you will, and kind of setting up um, things, you know, great question to ask yourself is, you know, if I wasn't emotionally involved, would I be making this decision this way? Mm -hmm. You know, that sometimes tends to clear the fog and mm -hmm. open up a perspective that mm -hmm. might not be right there. Yeah. Did you think it can go two ways as well? Like you were talking about people over committing, but it could go the opposite direction as well, where people are non-committal at all. Right. And they 
don't want to commit to anything or that and that I think can be related to fear maybe like it's a fear-based thing for sure for sure and I mean I think all of us again we're wired to survive and so fear is a very powerful uh process that's going on that can um if left unchecked really kind of govern uh your decisions in a way that maybe you didn't intend mm. yeah yeah so I think you yeah you've hit some really important points there so thank you for sharing and how how can the neuroplasticity um help with coming out of these predicaments or these pathways that we want to change within ourselves it's quite another big question for you yeah I mean so neuroplasticity I mean the definition is is building forming and re kind of wiring connections and you know one of you know there's so many amazing studies coming out about neuroplasticity this is one of the funnest areas right now of um research because in our lifetime the thought that we thought that adolescence after adolescence there was no more neuroplasticity that that has been completely disproven mm -hmm. and now we're finding the more you can cultivate daily activities like a lifestyle built around stimulating neuroplasticity one the more resilient you'll be when stress comes the more neuroplastic you are the better you can handle stress and so everything from exercise to meditation to an, you know, an anti-inflammatory diet, the brain rich foods, um, to learning an instrument, to learning a language, juggling, you know, knitting, gardening. These are things that, uh, you know, studies are cropping up and they're, um, being shown to stimulate neuroplasticity. Mm -hmm. That's super interesting. I actually read a book about neuroplasticity. I can't remember the name now, but I remember it saying in one part that actually now it's proven that old people, or not old people, but you know, people in later life can change their neuropathways as well now through neuroplasticity. Like you were saying, we used to think it was just adolescents, like children and, and teenagers or early years of life where we could change our habits but I think it can be, yeah, done with like in later years of life as well, which is really promising. And yeah, it's, it's very positive results. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with me today. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I have to give credit to, you know, the team at NeuroHacker, you know, I'm, I'm really privileged to work with so many neuroscientists and doctors mm -hmm. and have access uh, to, you know, so many people's information. So um, I can't, I can't in any way take credit. <laughs> but um, is there anything that you'd like to share with us about anything that's happening in NeuroHacker at the moment, maybe actually if there's any kind of breakthroughs that are quite interesting um, that you think the listeners would like to like hear about. Yeah, yeah I mean, so we're, um, you know, we, we're, we're focused on neurohacking 
And um, we have uh, on our website, a guide, you know, which is the foundational tools for neurohacking. You know, those are uh, mind care, body care, uh, relationships and environment. And then you kind of drill down into uh, the most important things, the eight kind of leveraging the 80-20 rule. But that's a great resource for someone who is new and looking to learn more about neurohacking. Um, and um, that's easy to find. In terms of breakthroughs, um, you know, we spent the conversation talking about uh, neuroscience, um, but we're also very uh, focused on the anti-aging and longevity space and the field. And we're connecting and we're working and following the research um, that really health is defined on a cellular level. And so our breakthrough in our, of last year pouring into this year is really around the study of um, senescent cells and their impact on the body. And um, it's pretty exciting stuff and uh, something that is very early on. Mm -hmm. in, but I, my prediction is in the next five years, uh, talking about cellular senescence is going to be as ubiquitous as, you know, keto or fasting protocols. Mm, that's really interesting. Can you tell us a little bit more about that quickly? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do my best. Okay, so um, at, at, the whole kind of theory of aging is starting to be more defined. And we've taken, you know, the science, uh, the world of science in this space has really advanced it with uh, defining uh, the hallmarks of aging. And some of these go from, uh, you know, cell dysfunction to genes to telomeres, et cetera. Uh, but one of the hallmarks is cellular senescence. And what this is, is a process in the body that happens when a cell becomes so damaged that it's no longer worth putting in the effort, the energy to repair it. The cell becomes senescent. And as we age, we accumulate these cells in different parts of the body, in brain tissue, in joint tissue, in muscle mm -hmm. tissue. And we're now linking that some of the um, symptoms of aging have to do with the accumulation of these unhealthy cells that are stuck. They're neither dead, mm -hmm. they're not alive, they're taking up space that youthful okay. cells could be there. Oh, okay. That's interesting. So would you say that the more you protect yourselves earlier on in life, or the more healthy you are earlier on in life, the more those cells would be protected later in life, like the more energy you would have? Yeah, so it's definitely... Uh, a process that uh, the body uh, needs uh, certain ingredients to help uh, that have been studied called senolytics that have been studied and help those cells kind of be removed from the body and make room for more youthful cells. So it's definitely really emerging category. I invite everyone. Um, we've posted a lot of information on our website about senolytics and about cellular senescence. And I invite everyone to kind of learn more about them there and then track this field because it's really, it's one of the mm -hmm. fastest growing uh, areas of research right now. Yeah, that's super interesting. I'm going to have a look at that myself. So before we go, is there any kind of advice or anything you want to say for 
entrepreneurs, people setting out in that business journey um, regarding the brain, anything, any tips that you would give? Yeah, I think, you know, I think that the, you know, the future looks very bright in terms uh, for entrepreneurs in the ways of being able to work and create with such endless possibilities and the flexibility and the ease to come up with new ideas, new business ventures, et cetera, has never been easier. Uh, the downside of that is that um, the speed at which creation occurs is so uh, um, fast. Uh, I've already seen my my colleagues, my peers, I've seen many of them have hits on their health because this 24 seven hustle lifestyle mm. that's going on. And so my advice is to uh, ruthlessly prioritize your health and to set boundaries on that because um, you can be a great entrepreneur and uh, you know fantastic at business and you don't need to sacrifice uh, your body. You know, no one is a mm. you know robot. And I think a lot of um, people think because of this expectation to do so much that that means that they can cut corners on sleep, they can cut corners on diet and exercise and these foundations, you know, having a pla neuroplasticity practice in your life every day, you know, mm -hmm. it's kind of a non-negotiable. If you really want to be a peak performer, mm -hmm. if you really want to do all the things you want to do and mm -hmm. Just as driving a car, you can't run on empty. You can't you can't do that to your brain and your body. So, yeah. kind of my message is to, um, you know, ruthlessly prioritize your health and your business. Everything will um, will follow, and you'll be able to do um, what you need to do. Yeah, that's super interesting. Thank you so much for sharing with me. I really appreciate it. So if anyone wants to get in contact with you, can you just give us the email or Instagram, please? Yeah, yeah. So follow us on uh, Instagram. Uh, we have a very active channel. It's at Neurohacker. Um, and yeah, I put together a URL for your listeners as well. It's neurohacker.com slash H E, uh, if they wanted to shop or take a look at uh, any of the products that we offer. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank Laura. you. <laughs>